Don't go anywhere, bitch. And you keep doing you. All right, Sweeney, I'm going to see you later. Stay black. (laughs) (laughs) That's not so bad. Here we have it, folks. Keep it. (laughs) Keep it basement podcast. Time to make my move. Sweet taste of victory like Oprah's Manny. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Uh, Keep It Basement Podcast, on the road, uh, Tom Zappia, Mike Sweeney, Alex Nicholas, coming at you from NJ Skate Shop, New Brunswick, New Jersey, where I've been many of times, and we are joined by a New Jersey faithful, Sayreville, New Jersey, Chris Naracco of, I mean, <laughs> everything. You're Dude, doing I got great. My questions You're doing on great. Here. Gonna be a good show. <laughs> hey, I need a new phone case. I don't know. Every Big Brother, Vice, Jackass, literally a bunch of stuff, bunch of random stuff. Porn interviews, big pun interviews, fat people interviews. Um, Can't say that. I don't think you Oh, sorry. Cancel me. Um, but yeah, Chris, thanks for joining. Alex obviously knows you. We don't really know you. Alex knows the shop, knows your background. You know, owning the shops and stuff. And now you're out in Cali, right? I am out in Cali. Do I do this? Do I need Do I need to do both? Yeah, do both. Do both. I'm doing both. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm out in California. July will be three years. It's a lot warmer than this shit. I didn't like the cold when I lived here, and now I really don't like the cold. Who does? So, yeah, I've been out there three years. It's good. It's warm. But you had, you had you spent time out there before you moved out there, obviously, right? I lived out right? there for four years when I was doing Big Brother, so 2000 and 2004, and then just back and forth throughout the years. That's I'm glad you brought up Big I wanted to ask you how you got into Big Brother, because weren't you, I guess, when did they, they disband, like, 04? Was like, were yeah. you there towards the end? I was, yeah. I, uh, I cashed it out with everybody else, so January 2004 is when it ended. But I was doing music interviews is that a jam up okay um i was doing music interviews freelance for them you know i don't know probably like 96 97 i think i started i can't remember um i was doing i started doing stuff for thrasher uh, in the skate world that is i started doing stuff for thrasher but before that i was doing stuff for double xl and just a bunch of hip-hop magazines and then um i would do these like really like traditional interviews with musicians but that would be like the first half but what I really wanted to do like since I was a kid like you had mentioned it before we started recording like Howard Stern I always wanted a job on the Howard Stern show that was like the dream and I thought that stuttering John Menendez or Melendez was (laughs) stuttering John you know I thought that his interviews on the red carpet of like the really like fucked up questions and the embarrassing questions were the funniest things. Booker T wanted to kill him. The wrestler Booker T wanted to actually. Yeah, kill I can him. imagine a lot of people yeah. wanted to kill him. Um, I wanted to kill him just because he stutters. Spin a Rooney. Yeah, he, wanted, <laughs> yeah. Was like, he wanted. He was so upset with the whole Howard Stern show and stuttering Johnny wanted to fight him. Shit. Yeah. But wild. those interviews were hilarious. Like it, it's pretty ridiculous to have that dude go and ask Steve Martin like these crazy questions and uh i just thought it was hilarious so i started like doing a little portion of that asking like 10 like ridiculous questions to musicians afterwards and so with those questions i would just send them to big brother and you know they didn't have somebody on the east coast doing interviews and they only had two pages for music so they were like you know 
a Wu-Tang interview came out of nowhere. They're like, yeah, for sure we'll run this, you know? So that's kind of how that started. So I just started doing just a ton of music interviews and, um, and they just kept running them. And then they like end of 99 going into 2000, they had Jackass was about to pop off. So there was going to be a changing of the guard. A lot of people were leaving Jeff Tremaine, Sean Cliver, uh, Dmitry Elieskovich, they they were all leaving to go do Jackass, and so they needed backup dancers. And so I just like I got a call to the bullpen, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to be one of the editors with Dave Carney?" Dave Carney was you know staying behind, and in my opinion, Dave Carney is the greatest writer that skateboarding's ever had. Um, you know, on any level, you know, not just comedy. He's a great comedy writer, but you know, he could just write about anything, and so. You know, I you know I was super excited just to have the chance to work with that dude and work under him and learn from him. Um, I just uh, instead of learning anything, I just got hooked on drugs and became an alcoholic. But um, that's that that's how it started. What good writer doesn't though? Yeah, that's it. I mean, like to be honest, like I'm like in awe of all of you because I always wanted to be a stand-up comic, but I have stage fright, so. Yeah, I can't get in front of people. Yeah, like I almost, bug out. Oh man, we had we we had. Um, this is before I started coming around. He told me you guys had a couple shows. shows. Yeah, he let me do a couple shows here. And one of them, I was like, dude, you and he killed on a roast already. Yeah, I was gonna say, I which saw is you like hard, way harder than like just doing a set. Dude, I was terrified uh, doing that roast. I was terrified. I I was drinking a lot at that point in my life, and I did that show stone cold sober because I was just like. I can't fuck up. And I had flown out to California with my wife and just had like all these jokes ready. And I was like, yeah, this is, they're going to kill it. And then, you know, I got in my own head in the morning of the roast. I read them and I was like, this is terrible. This every, every one of these is terrible. This is terrible. I can't do this. And so I just frantically wrote everything that you saw on uh, the roast like the morning of and then I just was like in the mirror in the hotel room pacing and going over it and just like my interviews I never write down questions if it's not up here then I like you know because I never want to be that person reading the thing and not like being engaged you know like just being in the moment and so um yeah all that shit from that roast like stone cold sober wrote the jokes like a couple hours before (laughs) and I was like terrified terrified it was like 500 people in the room and it was like 600 too many you know like i was just i was panicked uh we got a lot of good questions and everything like that and i was just want to touch on because i do interviews too and you're doing interviews and i feel like now because i was watching one of your interviews and you said something so interesting about big brother how like skaters started to get upset if you said anything controversial or espn wouldn't do something because it was too much and i feel like now you know that's like the era we live in but as an interviewer myself, I feel like it's like now the art of interview is different. Like no one cares about ABC or like New York Times. Now you could be a comedian and be like the greatest interview ever. Yeah. And it's like it's all about your platform and your audience. And I feel like the art of the interview is kind of getting lost because guys like me and you, you have to like build a brand first to interview who you want to interview. And that's basically the point I was just trying to say. You know, I mean, I got you know, I kind of see it the other way because when I was coming up, Man, it was, if you didn't have a magazine behind you, you, that publicist was not going to call you back. But now it's like, oh, you have nine and a half followers on a YouTube show that has 100 views? Sure, we'll do it. And, like, it seems like people have more access to people. You think that's bad, though? 
it's just, I don't think anything's bad or good. I just think it's different, you know, and it's just like the reality times change, you know, um, you know, I've got a friend that's got, um, a really successful skate podcast, the nine club. Yeah. And, uh, his name's Chris Roberts. He's a great, great host. I love to watch him. He has a totally different style. He goes in unknowing most of this stuff and learns in the moment with the fans and, it's it's rad it works but for me personally like i need to know the answer to every question i'm going to ask in advance so that i know which direction that we need to take this and so that when you say something i already know the tying story and can be like oh yeah and then what about this one time and and like it just keeps it moving forward rather than you know there's sometimes there's no flow when you're just like all right this and then tell me this and then just tell me this and then one time at band camp and then this and you're just like i i prefer to do like tons of research hours and hours of research yeah my main point was like having leverage is so important now because like like andrew schultz or rogan are comedians but they could get on anyone to do an interview because their platform but like i have to struggle to get interviews i really want to get yeah but i wouldn't go on your show either True, but no, no, but you, you, get, you get what? You Wait, get, fuck! I'm on your show. You, you get what I'm? You get what I'm saying? No, like back Damn. in the, back in the day, if you were working at Double XL or Big ass. Brother Magazine, you get interview anyone like Tony Hawk, like you did and stuff. But now it's different because digital and platform is so important in social media, and it's like if you're like Theo Vaughn, you get any interview you want because of the access and who you are. But if you're up and coming creator, it's like fuck you. Yeah, it's you know? um, man. It's a different time because it's hard to lie. They could look you up on the interweb. Yeah. You know, um, there's this a buddy of mine, uh, Ian, that Ian Mishnah that owns Jenka magazine. He tells this story where he he reached out to me and was like, "Yeah, I'm doing this interview for this thing," and I was like, "Okay, cool, let's do it." I never looked it up. I didn't Google it. I didn't. I didn't. You know, like. I could have, I guess, but I didn't bother. And it's like back then you could probably lie and make up a magazine, you know, and it was fine. You know, like, I don't know. We'd always just like make up ridiculous shit. But your your first interview, the Tony Hawk interview, was not – that was before you even were doing anything. So yeah, that you kind of – because you were working somewhere where they wanted you to do it. So you kind of got like – I guess not lucky because it was like your job to do it. But like that interview – made you realize that you're going to do that and you got paid for it. So it was kind of like, Oh, I didn't know I could fully do this as like a job. Yeah. I was going to say Disney by day, porn by night. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and, and straight up, that's how it was. I was like doing, working for like a bunch of porn mags at night. Like, you know, it's fucking hot over 40, over 50, over 70. And then like, and then like, um, but I was also like, but I was also like the, uh, copy editor and like the proofer and all this shit for like a porn publishing house so they did they also did a bunch of like gay men's magazines so it was like black inches latin inches Ooh, chris white, white inch and Alex? so they like it was like i was doing that at night and then during the day i was working at disney in the comic book department and so they it was pretty ridiculous, man. Um, I was 17 and just out of my mind. Just, like, didn't know I had ADHD. Didn't know that, like, that was the reason I was just, like, you know, probably on a spectrum, just doing, like, work around the clock and not stopping. Um, but, like, what happened was, I, as a kid, I always wanted to write comic books. Like, I loved comic books. I was such a nerd. And, um, and then I started working for Motown Records had the original, like, 
I was going to say the original black imprint, but I think Milestone Comics came before it um, that DC put out. So this was called Machine Works. It was a short-lived thing that Motown Records did. And um, they moved from Jersey City to, to L.A. And before they left, they were like, here, call this person at Disney Adventures. And that's how I got the gig at Disney. And then I started to like work with all these cats in comics, and they were a bit disgruntled. And I was like, what's the deal? And then I saw their invoices, and I was like, oh, shit. So, is this thing on? Um, yeah, you're good. I'm definitely coming back. <laughs> um, but yet, like, I found out you didn't get a lot of money working in comics. And then I was like, shit. It's just crazy how polar opposite it is to porn at night and then com like comic books by day. Like, yeah, but you kind of feel like out of place. No, honestly, it's like it's like you guys, right? Like you're on stage, you talk about what you like. You're not going to talk if you don't like politics. You're not a political comedian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have only written about the shit that I like, you know. So like, I write about I write about sex. I write about skateboarding. You know, I, you know, I was a food critic for a little while because I was fat and I was like, I should eat and get paid for it. So that's like always been like the path that I took. Uh, but what happened was the sports dude from this little Disney magazine came to me. He's like, you know, this guy like bird dude. And I was like, what? And then like, he's like a skateboarder, like Birdo. And I was like, Tony Hawk. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know Tony Hawk. I don't know Tony Hawk, but I know Tony Hawk. And he's like, can you interview him and ask him these five questions? I was like, all right. So I did it. I did it. And they were like, is that the cops? Everybody be cool. We're getting raided. But yeah, he like, I asked him these questions and it was like, what's your favorite trick? Like real like fluff questions. And then like a month later, he came and gave me a check for $500. And I was eating ramen and Grace papaya, you know, two for a dollar at that time. And $500. I was like, what is this for? He's like, you did the interview. And I was like, but that was easy. He's like, yeah, it's super easy. And I was like, and I'm looking at like these guys that were doing comics and getting half that for a lot more work. And I was just like, maybe I should do that. Mm -hmm. And I just started like trying to interview people. And then my homeboy from here in Jersey, uh, we've got a Redman t-shirt coming out with him. He's like the illest OG hip hop photographer. I mean, he shot everything, but yeah, like- Eric Monroe. Eric, T. Eric Monroe, yeah. yeah. And that's my dude. He gave me my start. And I like, I ran into him and I was like, hey, I did this Tony Hawk interview. He's like, dude, I shoot all these people all the time, but I don't have any words. So most people won't buy the photos. So if we teamed up, you know, it was like a really bad version of like 48 hours. And so we did like this buddy cap, buddy cop comedy. And like I would do the interviews and then he would shoot the photos and then he called up Thrasher and he's like, hey, we've got a package. We could just send it to you, words and photos. And again, a Wu-Tang interview falls on your lap. They're like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of how it started. And then it, and then it like fucking snowballed all the way into like uh, a big pun interview too, like a little bit later. Yeah, it, I think it was like shortly thereafter, to be honest. It was like, it was happening so quick and the way New York always moves is just like super fast but hip-hop at that point like you know new people were breaking left and right you know it was literally the best time in my opinion for hip-hop like the renaissance era like 
Wu's first album drop, Mob Deep's first album drop, you know, like Pun showed up on the Beat Nuts track. Then he's got his own album coming out, yeah. you know, off the books. Yeah, yeah. good beat. Yeah, it's so good. Dude, I loved it too, just because like the whole, like you started off just roasting him, which is like such an East Coast way of starting, like just a, yeah, shooting the shit right now. And I think, I believe he started like, how much you weighing nowadays? <laughs> Dude, but, the, but the thing is like, and it's it was great though. Like, like he just like went along with it and it was like real organic, like almost like, cause I feel like him, like stories about him or like already that I hear now, I know they were definitely floating around the street too. So he's probably like, yeah, this dude's got balls. Like, Well, the way I would do it back then was like, just to ease the situation, I would walk in a room and I'd have a case of beer and I didn't smoke weed, but I'd bring a big bag of weed and it would just be like a gift. I would just put it in front of whoever I was interviewing. And they're like, you got a gift too. And they were like, what's, what's up with this? And I was like, Hey man, I just, I just want you to relax and have a good time. And they're like, why is that? And I was like, cause this might be the worst interview you ever do. <laughs> and they just, and then they laugh, you know? And you know, I was like, you know, white dude in hip hop. And so, you know, the jokes are obvious to make against me, right? You know, and so, you know, like it was always, I don't know, man, like it's not a thing that people do anymore, but man, we would just like snap on each other. It was fun. It was like mental exercise, you know? And like you go from, and, and you go from the most obvious, you know, and then just cut deeper, you know? And so uh, with Pond, man, like he, like I said, the Beat Nuts track just dropped. And so, uh, I'm not a player was on 12 inch at fat beats, like just that week. Like he was so new, like he probably only weighed 420 pounds, you know, that's how light he was. And so he had like, you know, a five X black t-shirt with like pizza dust and grease on it. And just like the thinnest link, you know, he was, he was just coming up. He was just coming up and I just first question out of the box, like you said, I was like, hey, man, like, what's your most expensive pair of shoes? You know, because everybody's into sneakers. He's like, I don't really fuck with sneakers, but boots. I've got like a $400 pair of boots. And I was like, man, don't you think that's a waste of money since you'll never get to see them? <laughs> and his wife was there and she starts laughing. So he starts laughing and and he just right away just goes for white boy jokes. And yeah, yeah. and not that's not racial or racist. It's just like, you know, like. It's just jokes, man, you know, like, and we just, we laughed for, it was only a one page interview, but like that audio has got to be 90 minutes. We just like, I made other interviewers wait in the hallway. He's just like, no, we're drinking, we're smoking. Like, it was like, it was so fun. And then he got, he got the last laugh on me. Like, it, uh, he, such a good laugh that it made me piss my pants. Like, so I got, you know, I had, I take photos and so you're him, like, multiplied a couple of times but you're him and i got the camera around my neck with a strap and i just pick it up and then my head's down and i come up like this and my hat is backwards at the time and as i come up like this i can't really see and then i make out i put it in focus and i realize it's a nine millimeter barrel <laughs> that's his move he, he's done that to multiple people Thank God I had the strap on the camera because I just dropped it. And I was like, yo, <laughs> I was like, all jokes. It was all jokes, man. And he just starts laughing at me. He's like, got your ass. He did, that to, like, he did that to Cypher Sounds. For, Cypher Sounds doesn't drink. He pulled a gun on him in the clubs. 
That's, his, that, that's yeah. his movie. Pulls guns on people like as a joke, I guess, or yeah. maybe serious. He yeah. also threw DJ Who Kid in a van. Oh yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, him and Fat Joe. So, yeah. what would you say? Like, you had like way more fun like doing in terms of like uh, being an interviewer and meeting like the people that are on the scene, hip hop or skate industry, or, or porn, or porn too. Yeah, man, we covering ground, dude. Yeah, it's uh, man. They're just they're all fun and they're all different. Like, the thing that I really get down with with like porn stars and you know not enough people just like take a step back to realize like in all three of those categories porn hip-hop skateboarding they're just people that are outsiders that live on the fringe of society a lot of similarities you you know like they don't want to do it the way other people do it they don't believe in the same rules and the same laws and they just do it their own way and they they want to fly under the radar even if like the biggest hip-hop star like they still are just would rather just be with their original crew and and just not have to like really you know deal with a ton of people and you know when i interview porn stars you know we wind up talking you know i got two kids you know i wound up talking about like having kids and like what it's like for them in that industry having kids and like you know you know there's this one woman recently told me i did this mother's day piece and she was telling me that like you know her her daughter was the only kid in the class that wasn't invited to this one kid's birthday party you know because of the line of work she does you know like she's good enough for the husband to jerk off to but not good enough to like get the goodie the wife's jealous exactly but like all these like kids all- got kicked out of school recently for that on OnlyFans. Actually, sorry to cut you off. But really? Yeah, there was kids in a classroom. Their mom did OnlyFans, and they ha- they got like kicked out of the school. I am fascinated Dis- by OnlyFans. Distractions. Fans. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I do interviews with porn stars too, and they they get very big. And the funny thing is that like people hate on sex workers. I know you're big into that, and like I don't understand it. Not like, on hating on them, on it, on loving on them. Yeah, a lot of the times people hate, and it's I see it on YouTube. A lot of the times it's like international countries. Not to like put it up. A place on someone but you'll see a lot of negative comments on youtube and stuff like that but i don't think I they think give a fuck man like, yeah just you know even there, there's people that are super negative and there's people that are positive you know but like to answer your question man like i have been skateboarding since i was 12 so and i'm not good you know and so like when i get to interview people in skateboarding that can do it like i fan out pretty big you know like the questions might not come across but like you know that makes my heart sing because I'm not a rapper. I can't rap. I wouldn't even try. Um, and my wife will tell you I'm not very good at sex. So like I can like at least relate to like I can do an ollie. And um, I don't know, they're all different, man. Like I've for like when it comes to like rappers, I put myself myself in like some really bananas situations in the '90s that like. You know, I wasn't even thinking. I just thought it was normal that, like, my skateboard gave me access to everywhere, you know? And it's not, you know, to use the phrase, like, I was colorblind. It's like, you know, I understand, like, we're tourists, right? Like, we there's certain places we can and can't go. But, man, I really did believe that skateboard could just, like, it was like a magic carpet and could take me anywhere. Yeah, and so, dude, I remember getting off a train in Brownsville before it became Whitesville. And, you know, like, in, in a Charlie Brown t-shirt, like, bleach blonde hair, like, just looking crazy, oversized pants, and I was there to interview, you know, Ruck and Rock, Sean Price, like, uh, like Helter Skelter, and I, you know, 
what's that? Yeah, the whole crew. And so it was just those two. And I get off the train and I'm just like, what's up, guys? And they look at me and they're te not terrified even for me. They're terrified for themselves being with me. And they went and got an SUV and threw me in there and like pulled me up to a, like a utility entrance to their building and ran me up like a back elevator so that I wouldn't be seen and they wouldn't be seen with me. Like, they're like, what do you do? You can't like just show up here like this. You're, they're going to shoot you and then we're going to accidentally get shot. And I was like, I don't What did I do? They're like, your whole kit is wrong. They're like, you don't own a goose down jacket? I was like, no, but I'm just a skateboarder. I was like, and it's summertime. You guys with the goose down jackets, I don't get it. But yeah, man, I like those kind of things would just be adrenaline rushes for me. You know, I would just be like so hyped to like, talk with these cats and just like get a different worldview and uh you know it was always interesting man because like at the end of the day everybody was just trying to get out of their situation and better their life and it was like such a relatable thing be it hip-hop or skateboarding or what or porn or whatever it is man you know so I, I don't really have like one wasn't better than the other it's just different you know do you think uh we live in a clout world now like takashi 69 good documentary on him actually on showtime but uh, we live in a clout world now. Back then, was it similar to that, or was it kind of just like more of adrenaline rushes? Like you didn't care about being on the camera per se. Like, cause the like, for example, like I know you did some stuff with Jackass. Uh, that story's funny as well. With them, MTV saw that and they wanted to bring them on. But now it's like for anyone to be a pranker, like now you would blow up on Instagram first. Like no one's gonna take a chance now and be like, yeah. yo, here's a show. But like I feel like such a it's like a clout world we live in now compared to back when you were doing things. Unless it's the same. I don't yeah, know. I, I you know I talked to Alex about this, but like you know I have this like larry david thing happening you know and it's like it's it's like i have adhd and i'm going for the testing on asperger's like there's something wrong with my brain you know honestly straight up and um i'm down for the joke for one you know what i mean like as long as i'm laughing i think it's funny and that is not really healthy you know in society you know i'll do really good in the woods you know but like like honestly man like i just when they started to do Jackass and it popped off, like I was on my first date with my wife and these kids here at like McCormick's pub, I think it was or something here yeah. in town, they came up to me and like, the only thing I ever did on that show was like puke. And like, yeah. and, up as an elf. and it was just like, the only reason I was able to puke like that was because I was an alcoholic and I was just lubed up already. And so, um, you know, these frat boys came up to me and they were like, can you puke on us? And I was like, what? And, and here's this pretty girl and I'm, I'm on a date with. And I was like, dude, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, what are you talking about? And they were like, come on, come on. You're, oh, you're an asshole. I was like, you want me to fucking puke on you in a bar, man? What's wrong with you? And, um, and that was it. Like, I, you know, like, I was down to write stuff for the show. But, like, I was like, hey, this, you know. And I love those guys. And I love Jackass. And I love what, all, what they do. But for me, like, getting seen like was really not what it was about for me you know like it was just about like getting the byline and like really just like getting to meet people you know and like my big regret is that i didn't film all that shit because like so many crazy interactions but like yeah i get the clout thing and it's definitely a thing and like i said like i want to start a lonely fans account myself but like <laughs> you know like it really wasn't ever about that but i get it and i understand why people would you know it's just it's not my trip like i said like i can't even get on a stage you know like no, you, you know you could, you could, dude. We're, we're working on it. Uh, dude. i feel the same I, I 
I'm a dude. I joke for one. Seriously, like that's all you need. I just dude. if I could just be on a stage by myself in an empty theater, then it would probably be the ideal situation. I'm ADD uh, too. Shout out to that, and also stage fright with comedy, but I've done it a few times. But yeah, it's definitely tough. The thing I ask you about that because you've done interviews and I like doing them too. But like people are like, you got to do more, bro. Like you have to be a media company and all this shit, and like. It's so annoying because you see on IG or TikTok, like, people do things for clout and they blow up so big. And, like, they don't have the talent, per se. Like, you could be the greatest interview ever, but you got to, like, be seen now, too, a part, yeah. as part well, of it. Well, nobody wants to see me. Look at this. I this don't like being like, seen either. I'm like, I hate it. Body. He, like, I not, hate being in the clips. It's not a good look. I just like asking the My questions. My nose is crooked. Like, it's not, I, this is not a sellable look. No, but I feel, <laughs> I feel you on that about being behind the scenes, but, like, still providing value and asking good questions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's cool, man, is, like, I'm just packing up all my shit because we're about to move. And I was like coming across like I used to have this like little Willie Loman briefcase. And it was like all my clips from magazines like Double XL because like I worked on like the first bunch of issues of Double XL and like and like all Thrasher clips and all this stuff. And before the Internet, before fucking email. I used to have to run around New York City and like show up in the lobby of like Harris Publications where like, you know, they did Slam and all like these other magazines that I was down for and like be like, here's my things. Could I maybe get commissioned for an interview? Like it, it was like a different hustle, man. And then like even if you got that gig, that's one hundred and fifty dollars and the check comes three months down the road. Like it was definitely not clout and it was just a different thing. And so. Again, not good or bad, just different. And I, I applaud like all the kids on their grind now, like that are doing it, that have like outlets on different channels, you know. And it's like, it's funny because like kids will hit me up and ask for advice, and I was like, "Yo, man, you live in the future. Like, I, you tell me how it works. You know what's going on out there? Like, what's grinder like?" You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with XXL, do you know Elliot Wilson? Wasn't he starting up? The, I, don't, yeah, I don't know the years. Yeah. I'm trying to think of it. I remember. Benzino beef with Source. I right. remember Ja Rule 50 Cent. Where mm-hmm. That seemed like a fun time in hip-hop journalism. Yeah. But, like, I was already, like, wanting to, like, find my weird angle and, like, way to contribute. And so I think, like, in the second issue, like, it was just, like, a little sidebar, like, how to get shit for free. And really, like, you know, I had just read abby hoffman steal this book and anybody like that hasn't read it should read it it's like from the early 70s i think maybe 69 steal this book book. and it's just like straight anarchy you know it's like telling like telling people like the way to hustle that like the airlines and the way to like steal gas and like just all kinds of shit and i was just like I, i basically was just like doing this column like that like all right what's a modern version of this you know and like I was starting to do those fun or funny interviews, but like I was also such a hip hop fan that like there were some people that I just couldn't like. They were like, "You want to interview Nas?" I was like, Whoa. "Nah, nah," you know. Nah, I like like yeah. I was gonna name my son Nas. That's how much I love Nas. <laughs> and like later in life, I interviewed Ghost, but like I had f- probably four opportunities to interview Ghost, and I turned them down. And they were like, "Dude, you're turning down a Ghost interview?" I was like, "Yo." I- like there was a rule at Big Brother, if you were a fan, like a super fan of somebody, you weren't allowed to interview him because you would just fan out too hard. Right. And that was my rule with Ghost. Like I couldn't. I was like, no way. Because to me, like it's Nas and then it's Ghost. You know, and and like I don't know, man. Like Ghost used to just say the craziest shit. And 
and just like the his thought process and the words that he used are so different than anything I had ever heard by not just like a hip hop artist, but like a writer or a poet. And I was like, dude, like you're on some shit. And it's just like, you can see everything that he's talking about when you close your eyes. Like you listen to his albums with your eyes closed. Like, you know, like some people need the beat to help you get there. Some people need to like set the tone, but like, man, like you could dissect every line and be like, dude, this dude is so dope. Yeah. Like, uh, is it all that I got? Oh my God. That was my wedding song. I danced with my mom. (laughs) That's like at my wedding. That's why I, that's the song I danced with my mom. And like, dude, like song. Pete, like, dude, my mom was crying. She didn't even understand what Ghost was saying. But like, you just feel it. You just yeah, feel it, man. you know? And like, we came up, I was just telling you outside, like, we came up just not in a great situation. My mom worked in a warehouse for 44 years. You know, my old man like beat on all of us. It wasn't healthy, man. And so that song, although a very different upbringing and existence, man, resonates with people that grew up in a shitty situation, yeah. you know, and that speaks to everybody. That's not like a race thing. That's just like, you know, it's it's right what we're at right now in society, right? It's a haves and have nots. And there's more have nots and we can all relate. It doesn't matter like what color you are, man. It's like most of us don't have shit yeah. and we can relate on that level. What about Jay-Z? You like him? <laughs> I... Is it an on-site beef? <laughs> you know what? Like he uh, he does uh, he doesn't even know I exist. Um, and similarly, I don't really pay attention to him his existence. You know, like I just wasn't a Jay Z fan. You know, because I was so in tune with hip hop at that point, and I know that Daz Effects has good beats, but Daz Effects sucks. And Jay Z came out as like. On some Daz Effects shit, so speed rapping, right? And the he's boom, a knockoff. Boom, like, and I was just like, I'm not really feeling this. And then, like, you know, obviously he changed his whole thing up, but like, there was when it went super flossy, like I couldn't relate to it. Again, have not, you know. So like, when hip hop started to go like really flossy, like it was hard for me to relate on that level. Like when Ready to Die came out, right? Like. Biggie was as grimy as you could get. The next album, Puffy got him really like, I thought I told you that we won't stop. You know, like, and it was like, it was dope. They were using all the right songs for samples and all the right beats, but what they were talking about was aspirational, but I couldn't relate to it. You know, like it wasn't relatable to me. And it was like, and honestly, like, I get seasick. I don't want a yacht, you know, like I really like couldn't like some of the stuff I was just like, I don't, this is not for me, you know, but I do know what it's like to get like knocked the fuck out in a park. I can relate to that, you know, just trying to buy some weed, you know, like, and then now, like even to this point, just trying to feed my kids, you know, like I know hustle. I know that part of it. And that was relatable, you know? And I understand like the goal was to like, create aspiration but like i don't know jay-z just didn't really do it for me like that am i rambling am i no, is no, this no, no, no. Is i find the it interesting on? how you wouldn't interview ghostface killer because you were a fan of him so much because like when i interviewed Charlemagne, he said like the whole thing of him being in radio is like you're passionate about like someone you fuck with like nas interview be dope because you know so much but at the same time i kind of get what you mean too because you don't want to go on there joking with nas and have him be offended by you you know i don't think like it's like you guys, right? You, you tailor your jokes to the audience, right? So I wouldn't, like, I would know which jokes to go with and which not to. But it was really just like, I don't know, man. I, I don't 
trip out on people. I don't ask for autographs. I don't ask for photos. But like, if someone has made me feel something, yeah, like deep down that's inside, passion, like that, real that will make me like a child. You know, like honestly, like there's like certain songs where you put them on, man, and you feel safe. You remember a moment in your time where like this, everything was good, you know? And like, fuck man, I lived with um, this DJ, now producer, Musa Bailey in Jersey City. And like, he was like one of the illest DJs at the time. He was like always in DJ battles. And um, and he, I'm so thankful to have lived with him, man. Cause he, he hipped me to so much great music. And like, just, he was real good at like making sure that like, there was like a stop gate at the door. No whack shit came in the house. And so I had like only the best of the best of music that hadn't even been broken yet. And so, yeah, man, like those are like the woo stuff, like all of it, man. Like it was just like, I don't know, man, like I'm, I'm 19 forever when I hear that shit. So like if I heard, if I heard, if I had the opportunity at like younger days to interview ghost, I would just like, I'd be like, yo, I love you. Chris is only- I would just like, I would just <laughs> I hug him. I would just hug I him. Get it, like, I get I, it. Like, as a con- know, as like- a consumer hip hop fan, I'd love that though. Like, I'd rather have you do it than fucking like Drew Barrymore on a talk show. Not to be a dick, I'm just being honest. Like an example, I'd rather yeah, have. But a if fan I can't get a sentence off, then what good am I? You know, like I'd be like, I'd be like, hey man, I'll help you out. Like having the self awareness to know, like, all right, like self awareness and like the respect for your own craft and their time. I know I was asking like for sure. Yeah. yeah. I didn't and, know if he was doing the comedy tip like like he didn't want to interview him the same way he interviewed Big Pun or whatever. You know what I mean? Like and then Nas pulls a gun on you, you're like, damn, my idol pulled a gun on me. Yeah. You, you know, that'd be a good story. I think Nas pulling a gun might be way more terrifying. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> now, he's got like hundred and fifty people with him at all times. Like, <laughs> that Snoop Dogg Snoop I would assume so. Everyone pulled up, like Nas is real in the streets, like everyone pulled up on him back in the day when there was a beef. <laughs> he's like you don't want to mess with Zulu Nation baby but I, you know like also just to go back like these are all human beings right with real shit like yeah. we we perceive them in this larger than life way but they're just real people and like I had told you about like this Method Man situation like um, what was it Judgment Day was the second album so Judgment Day was coming out Takao came out crushed and then Judgment Day was about to come out and so I flew in, I was living in California at the time, flew in to interview him at the Def Jam office. And um, and I walked in there and I'm just sitting in the office and you know, it, it gives me anxiety just to think about it, you know? And so I walk in, I'm sitting there and he walks in, walks right past me, takes a seat at the desk and just puts his feet up and just pulls out um, a TV guide for the people that don't know what a TV guide is. It's like a book <laughs> that told you when shit was on television. It was stupid. Um, like a whole book. And, and it came out every week. Like the times changed. And so um, he goes at the back of the book, he goes to the crossword puzzle. He just starts doing the crossword puzzle. And I'm just sitting there. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like maybe jokes. You know, like maybe he's like, you know, creating the mood. I was like, all right. Um, but then like five minutes turns to 10 minutes. And, you know, in these situations, you get 30 minutes with somebody, you know? And so um, I was like, my man, you okay? And he's like, silent. I was like, okay, this is fucked up. You want to call me? And so 
I was like, hey, dude, if, if you don't want to do this, it's all good. I mean, they flew me in from Cali to do this, but if you don't want to do it, it's all good. And like, I, I couldn't even wager what was up with them, right? And so without even looking up, he just goes, you threw my son down a flight of stairs. And I was like, I was like, dude, I, I have, I've never met you. I, uh, I don't, I never met your son. And he's like, my son fell down a flight of stairs on the way here. And if I didn't have to be here with you, he wouldn't have fell down the stairs. Like weird rap math. Right. And I was just like, I was like, yo dude, then like, just go like, don't, don't don't come here to do press with me like i'm cool i'm fine with it and and he's like and like he just was silent and doing the thing i was like hey man like it's all good like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna split don't don't stress it and he and he's just like yeah man like and he just started he just started talking to me about his son and um it was like really heartfelt and i was just like i had just recently had lost my grandfather and so i was like hey man you know like we were just relating on just like heavy emotions and then we just started chopping it up and eased into it we wound up talking for quite a while but like those first couple minutes were like so tense and you know like it sticks with me where like i don't want a situation like that with ghost i don't want a situation I feel you. you know like yeah you, and you don't want to when you're you meet your idols and it's like not a good situation it's a weird thing in your life yeah man like dude when um oh my God. i kind of had that with young jeezy but How yeah I, feel you like. when this I don't. Know. it ain't even your fault to be honest i heard he doesn't he didn't he really had a negative uh a lot of negative issues with the press because i heard his wife was sick and wendy williams said stuff i don't know if it was around the same time it recently came out again uh, uh recently and he was very upset with the press and didn't like anyone in media well i told him i was like hey man this is for a skateboard magazine so it's like it could be whatever you want it to be we could just have fun with it you know like you know i'm not gonna ask you these dick jokes or these fart jokes but <laughs> crazy you know, how like, his meditation was the crossword puzzle yeah, like, to relax and, and know it's the raddest thing he dipped afterwards like you know he said goodbye he left the tv guide on the desk and i was like fuck that <laughs> and as as i'm moving i just came across with like his old address in staten island with the crossword puzzle half done and i was just like now i got a question how how much do you want to bet that he used the rap line from one of the tv guides probably does it all the time right oh, probably yeah. is Kaiser Soze. Yeah, probably like, is like yo that's Kaiser a bar Soze. that's a bar yeah yeah you know what i mean how, yeah, but also like in the interview he was probably just like using stuff from the tv guide yeah. but and then like Dude, I had another one. So, like, we crossed paths again. Or maybe it was, no, it would have been earlier, I think. So, Forever came out, and we were at the Loud offices in Midtown. And Shout out Loud. They were like, the, everybody in the Wu Tang clan was irate, on fire. And there I am just sitting there. And it turns out that there was like a record store in Midtown that was selling the album a day early. And they weren't. You know, they didn't care that it was like being sold. They cared that the numbers wouldn't be tracked, you know, and they were they were irate. It was like a heavy, heavy situation. And I'm just like, yo, I could come back. <laughs> I was like, I don't I, I'm like, yeah, the worst time, like full Larry David. Always my whole Why life. Why do you say that like though about Method Man? Because I heard that he was tough to like get along with. 
in the industry. He kind of still is. He like Fifty Cent jokes with him, and you could tell he doesn't like when Fifty Cent trolls him and stuff. But they're on the same show. Fifty Cent created Power and Method Man's an actor yeah, in it, yeah. so it's good. But you could tell like recently what had happened was Wendy Williams said that she slept with Method Man, and like fucking Fifty Cent was kidding around like Meth wouldn't fuck you and all this stuff. <laughs> but like he doesn't really say much about it, Method Man. And his 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 wife was sick for a while. Uh, and then she brought that out back in the day. I don't know if it was the same time. And he like hated interviews. He talked about that. Yeah, how he hated awesome. press interviews. I don't know if that's the why, but that yeah. was crazy how he blamed him for the kid. Yeah, yeah but on, on the flip, like damn, what the fuck? Oh, it's always the worst, man. Like, that energy, the worst time. Like, uh, like it's, they, he brought the like negativity kind of. But know? but on the flip side, like I've only heard great stories about like him and his comedic timing, and he's just got jokes no, yeah, and he's yeah, real yeah. lighthearted yeah, and easy going, you know. So. Uh, it's it's situational, right? You yeah, know, for like, sure. You know, I'm I'm a handful half the time. You know, like I just happen to have some Turkish coffee right now, so like I'm okay. Maybe he was like, "Fuck this skateboard guy." He big pun. He called him fat. Uh, I saw that. He re- <laughs> some people research. We don't even realize they're like look into your stuff and be like, "Oh, he's a jokester." I, ain't ready. I, I doubt it. it, man. Back then, That's like we funny. were printing like ten copies of the magazine, so like nobody saw that shit. Um, but I will tell you a funny Turkish coffee joke um, story. <laughs> it's more of a story. It's it's one of my favorite stories. I've got like go-to stories, and this is like one of my all-time favorite ones. Um, we were on a skate trip in Utah. I think it was like 2001, and um, we got rained out. We couldn't skate, like, so we we're just stuck at this bar drinking like three-two beer and like really, really shitty, um, like you know, less like 20, 20 proof alcohol. And so we were drinking for like nine hours straight and like more sober than when we came in. Like it was like, it was just a waste of a day. This one kid we were with was just like, I'm over it. I'm going back to the hotel. And so he walks through this park back to where uh, the hotel was. And he saw this young lady reading a book in the rain with an umbrella. And he just like stopped and he just started kicking it to her. And she's like, you want to come back to my place? So he goes back to her place. And again, he's been drinking shitty beer for like nine hours straight. And they just like, they start making out. And she's like, hey, do you want some Turkish coffee? And he's like, yeah, sure. Never had Turkish coffee in his life. So doesn't know what it's like. And for those that don't know, at the end, it's just tar. It's just like, it's like, it gets muddy. And it just, it doesn't mix well with shitty beer. And so he slams the Turkish coffee and then he goes back on the couch and they're making out again. And he's just, and he's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, it's cool. Don't worry about it. And they start making out again. And then his stomach's rumbling and he's like, and, oh shit is right. Like, he, no, he's like, I got to go. And she's like, no, it's okay. Don't be embarrassed. It's all good. And he's like, no, I got I to gotta go. I got to go. And she's like, no, stay. He's like, I have to go. And so he just bolts. He's like, I'll call you tomorrow. And like gets two steps outside the door, slams the door, and he just buckles over, he said, drops trow, and just shellacks <laughs> her entire door. Like sprayed shit everywhere. And in my mind, the girl was probably like, what happened with this dude? Why'd he bolt? And she's probably looking through the peephole of just like dude's butthole just spraying everywhere. Oh, man. And then we run into him at the hotel. He's got no shirt on. He's got no socks. His pants got poop all over him. I was like, what happened to you? He's like, I had to use the shirt and the socks. And I was like, dude, you got to change your pants. You smell like shit. And like, dude, one of my favorite stories. And, and it is the reason I love to drink Turkish coffee. He's going to do that at the end of this interview. Oh, God. You know, 
know that's crazy. legendary. Like, I haven't shit my pants yet, and I know it's Anybody coming just because everyone has a I shit my pants Oh, story. dude. I had a homie that was coming over the South River Bridge, and if you know the South River Bridge, it's about two feet long. Like, you get over it quick. And my buddy couldn't hold it. And so he, and this move was, like, legendary. He pulls his pants down and, like, shits in his hand and throws what? it out the window. <laughs> And then he shows up at my mom's house to pick me up to go skate. And I was like, what are you doing with my mom's hose? He's like, I'm hosing shit off. I was like, what? And he, it was <laughs> so crazy. And then, like, I don't know. Do any of you guys have kids? No. Like, just thank, thank God. Just know that, like, when you have kids, like, you are going to handle a lot of human feces. Like, bare hand that shit. Dude, I, my, my little guy, he's nine years old now, but like when he was whatever age a kid learns to shit, um, he was, we were at my mother-in-law's house and she had just redone her kitchen and like, you know, super respectful of my mother-in-law. My little guy comes running out of the bathroom butt naked and he's like, dad, dad, I did it, I did it. I pooped in the toilet. I was like, that's great, dude. That's great. You're, you're a grown ass man now. You shit in the toilet. And then he goes, yeah. And he just got super long. And I was like, oh, you're not done, huh? Mm -hmm. And like, brand new kitchen. I wasn't going to let him shit on my mother-in-law's kitchen floor. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I just put my hand down there oh, and just let him <laughs> just fill it up. Oh. And my wife runs in. She's like, oh, did he tell? Oh. And she's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, there's only one thing you can do. She's like, what? I was like, get the camera. <laughs> and so I have this photo where He's smiling, and I'm like really smiling. And over in the corner of the frame, you just see that my hand is full of kid shit. Yeah. Dude. And then I, dude, one time I was just telling this story. My older son, like, dude, we were out at like, we were out camping and we were in the woods and walking. He's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, all right, everybody go ahead. I'll take care of this. And so I sat him on my knee, and his ass was right here. And I was like, listen, dude, all you got to do is just let it happen, just let it drop and we're good and he's like okay and it took forever and it started to come out and as soon as the air hit his butthole he just went Whoop! and jumped up and i just looked and he's here and he's looking at me and there's just like a perfectly placed log on my leg and i'm just like dude you jump forward how does a log turn it's like the magic bullet like just the magic turd just like laying right on my leg and i'm just like Tight, dude. That's uh, that's tight, dude. Dude, I keep a photo in my phone in my favorites. So like, when people tell me that they're about to have a kid, I send them this photo, and it's just shit diaper, just shit everywhere, just like shellac, There's ding shit dong, everywhere. just shit. And because and, and, they're like, you got any advice? And I just send them that, and I was like, shit happens. <laughs> dude, my favorite dad joke when like. Anybody, any dude tells me they're gonna have a kid, I'm always like, that's sick. Who's the dad? <laughs> and they all get a kick out of it. But there was a cat, and you probably know him. He was coming in here every Saturday, and we would just chop it up, and he would just like tell the craziest stories and like beefing with his girl stories and like dumping buckets of urine on his carpet. Like he's always like these extremely interesting volatile stories I think I <laughs> and he was over like by the shoe rack and he's like hey my girl's about to have a baby and i was like that's i was like that's dope who's the dad and he just looks at me he's like what do you know and i was like no <laughs> no 
You say I'm having a baby. I say who's the dad. You laugh. That's how this works. And I was like, I was just like, dude, I almost died for that joke. I was like, he was not psyched. I was like, no, it's a joke. And even when he took it as a joke, finally, he was just like, (laughs) yeah, like he probably left and killed somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a question. Someone like DM'd because I said I was interviewing you and you do a lot of interviews. I don't know if you could answer this. Uh, I don't know if you want to answer it, but they oh said advice for up and coming journalists because like magazines now, especially during this pandemic and COVID, like aren't as popular. Mm. And obviously like print and uh, print media and all that's like kind of like, out, yeah. you know, old school, like kind of like radio now. Uh, they were asking like what advice you have for up and coming journalists and like is it all social media and like digital stuff now? Like, interview-wise, I guess, or, like, writing, journaling. Honestly, it's the best time to start your own shit. Like, just own your shit, start your shit, do your shit, puff it, pass it, do it. Like, that's that's the best advice. It's like, I don't know, the coolest stuff I'm seeing is from kids that are just doing their own thing. So they don't have to do it a certain way, you know, or they don't have to, like, answer to anybody. Um, you know, they're gonna, you're gonna stumble, you're gonna fuck up, it happens, but, like, the only way to learn is just, like, to do it, you know, like, if you're a fan of certain style, like, you at least have a template, a blueprint of the way it's been done, um, just do your own shit, just don't do what I did, and, like, it's not... You know, nobody likes that shit anymore. Yeah. It's like, and they, they were just saying, like, does it even matter getting a degree in journalism anymore? I feel like you do, I don't know. Man, I, I have been thrown out of six of the best colleges in New Jersey. So, you know, if you want to, like, waste some money in New Jersey, I could tell you what schools to drop out of. Shout out to me. Yeah. But, I like, get, I would say honestly, yeah. like. Internet popularity probably over. The reality journalism. is you could probably get a Harvard degree tonight off the internet and put your name on it. Like, it really doesn't matter. I can save you a half million dollars by telling you to print out a degree. No one checks. That's so true. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, and there's, like, honestly, there's no money in going to school. Yeah. You know? If my kids are listening, though, <laughs> don't do drugs and stay in school. Someone asked, a qu- basically, why are adult entertainment interviews so popular? I do them. I do everybody them loves sex, you know, and like what I don't understand is like why is attacking the adult industry so popular? Me, yeah. Because none of us would be here without some fucking. So and what is the hang it's up? It's the comments. It's the even on TikTok, my niece, she's young and she was like, your stuff's blowing up. But the comments are negative to women. And I was looking and I, and I kind of like felt guilty in a way, but it was not necessarily my fault. But I see the way someone could say something or the way you word something or the, or the clip you put out somewhere. People could write and like, you know, rebuttal against that, be like, fuck bitches or, or like, I'm yeah. sick of these But that's hoes. your job to police that and be like, dude, yeah. keep that shit out of here. The, the comments are tough, though, on YouTube. It's so negative and TikTok, young kids and well, stuff. Well, y- YouTube is a cesspool for yeah. toxicity. But like, you know, like it, the people really get really gnarly. We did this um, amazing, um, Jeff Grosso did a, a love letters to the LGBT community. And like, dude, I personally was in there day and night, like screenshotting the NAR and deleting it and just like, creating a case study for just like how Weird, fucked man. people can be um, haters it's just it's just unnecessary but like again like i was a negative person for a long time before i started therapy you know like it's just you got to ask the question what is causing that person to be an asshole and it was funny how you said disney to porn um and you said you didn't get shit for it. I feel like now people get shit for it because even myself, like if I send interviews, this has actually happened. Like if I send it to like a network, they'll be like, we, we, can't, we can't work with you because of your prior interviews or stuff. And then I've had people, businesses say like, cut out all the porn stuff and I'm sponsored by Fleshlight for my interviews. 
and people have said like you shouldn't do that because you're going to hurt a lot yourself in a lot of sponsorships. And then you look at Joe Rogan, the number one comedian, a popular comedian, you love number Joe one, Rogan, huh? number one podcast in the world. He was sponsored by Fleshlight. He was sponsored by Fleshlight, and he's number one now. So it goes to show you, it doesn't fucking matter really. But I don't, I don't love Joe Rogan. I'm just throwing the no, no, Rogan know, out there because he's like the because biggest because he's the biggest <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> Um, goes going against Green. He doesn't like Jay Z. He doesn't like Rogan. I didn't say I didn't like. I like him. <laughs> no, bro. The, when you were talking, you. I like Howard Stern. I liked him when, with when he had more hair, but he can't do anything. About I like. It. I like Howard Stern as well, and and it's tough to get on the Howard Stern show. You have to create your own thing, like you yeah, said. Yeah. And radio is fucking dead. But back to the porn stuff. I think it's funny how there's such a bad con- misconception. Yeah, and I think people want to like, hire you or connect I think, with you. I think that you. like. Every 10 years or so, people get a little bit more relaxed about porn. Like in the 90s, there was the Vivid Girls and they were super popular and it like was a bit more mainstream. And like little by little things are like, they become a little bit more like here's an opportunity with OnlyFans. You know, like like it's kind of like the segue into like people having access to do their own stuff. Um, it's it's a weird situation because there's a lot of hardworking women that do OnlyFans and then like anybody thinks they can do an OnlyFans and and it's not cool so they're taken away from that like that economy there but like the reality is man like I was an idiot I'm still an idiot but like I was really an idiot coming up and I didn't think well I didn't think I'd ever run for president so I didn't really think any of this shit would matter and I was just like, dude, I like sex, so I'm gonna do sex shit, and I'm and I like this, and I like this, and I'm gonna talk about these things. I didn't really think that, you know, like people would harsh me about the sex stuff because everybody fucks. But it really, like, I don't know. It, it's really a shame that people have such a hang up about that stuff, and I just think it's completely necessary, unnecessary because some of the nicest kindest people i know are sex workers give you know? good and advice like, fleshlight you know i've got a friend joanna angel she's got a pro model pussy she does the live shows for them. and she's she's the best she's cool and she's jersey girl she graduated here from rutgers and, i didn't even know that yeah wow. and and i love her and she is like you know like, man like as a friend like when i when i'm like going through it like she's a person that like i can turn to and she's like a solid solid friend and like you know, people just like think that this entertainment, this acting that goes down on the screen is just like that's what they're doing twenty four seven. They're just ah, and it's not the case. It's like they're regular folks, and they are just smarter than you because they found out a way to cash in on what you're doing for free. Entrepreneurs in a way. It's weird, yeah, to end the subject soon. But like, it's funny because people are like, "Yeah, your interviews humanize them," and I'm thinking they are human. Well, I was, I did this show um, where. I did like this like mini documentary series. One was on Joanna, That's dope. Uh, one was on Belladonna, and one was on Kimberly Kane, and um, that was the whole thing, man. Like I just like to humanize them was the goal. Like just like I always laugh at that column. I think it's in Stars Magazine. They're just like us, you know. And it's like, look, celebrities have faces, you know. Like they're just normal people, and that was like. I was just trying to get that across. It's like, you know, like when I would talk with Belladonna, like we would always just talk about being parents, you know, like 
these, these folks are just regular people. Even the entrepreneur hustle you see from them is inspiring in a way. The way they have merch stores or creating an audience and doing stuff. That's, and so know many what of them were ahead of the curve on owning their own shit. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, everything, that, that's funny you said that because everything from the print magazine to radio to now porn and studios, everything is like you said, do it yourself or like, you know, be your own like entrepreneur type mindset as well. Yeah. Cause like you can't be a fucking radio guy cause radio's dying in a way. Same with print magazine, same with regular porn studios and sets. They just make an OnlyFans and do it there live. I mean, the it's name funny. of the game is always like trying to figure out what's the next, next thing. Crypto. You know, like if you're, if NFTs. you're, but if you're chasing what people are doing right now, you're already late. Yeah. You know, like figure out what the next thing is. Oh yeah. You brought up ADHD a lot in this. I was just wondering what you do to like, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it. I'll combat that or work with that. Oh man. I, a lot of people I, who listen have ADHD, uh, I grind, including myself. I grind my teeth a lot. Um, my son, skating probably helped. I'm I'm now medicated. You know, like I uh, I got I got diagnosed a little over a year ago. Um, I'm on prescribed medicine. I probably need some other shit because I I have a son who's 11 years old, and when he was three, um, he was diagnosed here at Robert Wood Johnson uh, for being on the spectrum. And, you know, like at that point, he wasn't really talking. He wasn't looking at you. And uh, it was tough, man. He was like, it would, he just had no empathy. He had no, like, it was like hugging him was like hugging a telephone pole. You know, he just was, it was tough, man. Like it was, it was really bananas and um, eye opening, right? Because I'm in the room during the diagnosis and like all the testing. And the lady's like, well, he does this. And I was like, I was like, yeah, but I do that, so it's nothing. And like, she's like, and every time I would say that, she'd just give me this weird look, like basically trying to tell me that you're on the spectrum, guy. You might want to get tested if so many of the things that the the little ASD kid has, you do. Like, it tends to come from the father's side of the family. Um, so it's opened up like a can of worms in my head. And over the past seven years, like learning about him has really taught me a lot about myself and that shit. And so it got to the point where like, dude, this thoughts are just too crazy in my head. And I like, I went and saw somebody, you know, and this is after going to therapy for like six years, which I encourage everybody to do um, just to try and understand, you know, like where this shit is all coming from. Cause you know, very traumatic childhood. So I thought like, oh, this just came from like, you know, being born into violence. You know, this is like, my head is chaotic. And, um, you know, like when they came back and they're like, no, you are for sure ADHD. And, you know, we'd like to do some additional tests. Um, the apocalypse happened, so I haven't had the chance to go back and do those tests. But like, you well, know, like, just like, dude, like eye, eye contact, like I barely, you know, you can, you could see, like you watch the tape, like I'm looking away, like I don't do a lot of eye contact still to this day. And I need to, it's like, you know, I have to work on that. Yeah. But like for the ADHD specifically, you know, um, I just I take medicine. I make mad lists, like oh, all yeah. all the lists. I was gonna say a lot of people probably f they fuck with this shop. You're like a success story with ADD. So what 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 do you do that works? You know, man, I don't know. You man. might not look at it that way, but people might who are like on the come up. But you know? I fucked up. I I still fuck up a lot. You know, and it's like Word. I I I prob I am not empathetic naturally. You know, like it's not something that comes easily. Uh, I try to do better, um, but honestly, like. I don't know. I fuck up a lot. I fucked up a lot. And I, the only way that I, like my kids are really the motivation. Like once I had my kids, I was like, you have to try to not talk to people 
the way you talk to them. You have to try to change. You have to try to do better because, you know, you have to feed these kids. And it's hard, man. It's like I'm not fucking good at, like, being a person. You know, I had a fucked up childhood, and then I, like, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. So I just, I have fucked up more than I haven't fucked up. Like, you know, my therapist said to me, she's like, you need to start going with like your fourth thought because your first couple things you say is wrong. And I was like, my instinct was to tell her she's the death of comedy. <laughs> and, she, and, and she's like, see, you need to stop. But like, again, goes back to like when we were coming up and snaps and just like quick response. And I was really good at that, but didn't know why. And the reason was because like my head is going a thousand miles an hour. You know, like, like a lot of comedians actually well, too. I was it's funny. Say the, even down to like the eye contact thing, like we all as comics have like a problem with that. Like yeah. I don't know what it is. Even like that's why like we almost prefer a stage because there's too many people to kind of have sensory overload. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it is. It's just a that's lot bad. of eye to look every single person in the face is like so fucking weird. Yeah, and it's even weirder when it's like one on one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when. When you do normal shit, like go on a date or something, and it's like, oh yeah, it's rough. You have to, you know what I mean? Like, it's a conscious effort for sure. But it's almost a superpower too when you have like the overactive brain, because like I definitely get that. Because like even on stage, it's while I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about the next shit, and it's the same thing in real life. Sometimes like you'll get into a conversation and not even mean to go into autopilot but it's like you're just thinking of some other shit bro it, it could be t- it could be tiring too yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's exhausting I, mean, I, I get so much energy drained from this shit but yeah by the end of the day it happen to just always be in motion and working on the multiple different things it's like i definitely get that because there's a certain type of energy burst that comes with all those thoughts and feeling the need to act on it yeah, yeah. and, and I, I, you were talking about your son and i didn't want to bring like schultz and Charlemagne were talking about how seinfeld always says he's on the spectrum and a lot of like big comedians and he's like bro you're successful and rich it doesn't matter but it's still funny i get what they mean like no one cares when you're successful famous and rich and you're talking about it mm-hmm. and because like yo, you're jerry seinfeld you're one of the goats but he was saying he thinks he's on the spectrum with uh asperger's and, uh, and an autism spectrum and a lot of people i think in comedy are like that and yeah. he they were they were really howard stern and seinfeld are big in a tm meditation and i was mm-hmm. looking into that because like they say like it, it helps them so much with stress and like daily like stress and shit and uh gaining energy because they get drained of their energy too and they say they do it a few times a day and they like swear by it yeah my wife's into meditation um it's just i you know i haven't done it but like honestly like that's the thing is i i frazzle out and like because of like like the violence in my childhood the only way that i got through it was like you know, like they say, life's a joke and, and death is the punchline. Like I just started making jokes and I just started laughing at everything and making like the worst situations. I'll I'll make a joke. Comedy. It's it's funny, except for maybe the person that you're married to or yeah. the person you're in the room with. And like, you know, I say shit that you shouldn't say. And it's funny. And I'll tell you a couple of them and we'll all laugh. But somebody else will watch and be like, what the fuck? why would you fucking say that like like we like we should have had three kids we had we miscarried on the first one and we were in this hospital over here and my wife was about to like get a dnc and you know like i don't know how to deal with those situations so i just deflect with comedy and so the doctor's telling us this happened my wife's all upset and i just said 
he he says to us, he's like, you know, it's you know, it's nothing that you did. The kid just stopped growing. And I said, I was like, damn, we kind of won the lottery here, huh? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, think about it, man. Like, we kind of won the lottery. Because if this kid wouldn't even grow on his own, think about how lazy of a teenager he would have been. <laughs> and it's funny. It's a perfectly timed joke at the worst possible time. But to a normal person, they're like, this dude's a monster. And the doctor's looking at me. My wife's like, what the fuck? And I'm just like, that's a funny joke. I was like, circle back on it. Like, especially you, you being in this business, like, you're going to laugh one day and be like, this one guy one time. Have you seen Private Parts? Yeah. Have you seen Private Parts? Yeah, for it sure. It reminds me of uh, when he his wife had a miscarriage and he went on radio talking about yeah. it and she got mad at him. Yeah, and like the thing is like people should talk about miscarriages because man, like they they are so common, yeah. you know, but people don't talk about them. They're like this dark secret. It's like, you know, everybody can make dark dead baby jokes, but like don't talk about miscarriages. It's like, I was like, hey man, it happens. It's a part of the deal. But like, that's just an example, man. Like I told you the one about the dog. Like recently I came home from work and my wife is like talking to our two neighbors and like again i'm not good with people so i just like try to hide in my seat i was like shit people and she's like we saw you park the car what are you doing and so i get out of the car i was like hey everybody and i could see that they're upset and all i try to do in those situations is crack a joke to make people feel better in the moment kind of like just take it away for a second um not the best way for everybody but the way i know how to do it and it's just like you know people have told me you know like come back to me later and be like, hey, man, that that helped, you know, but most people not, you know, and so these two, the couple next door, they were just like upset. And my wife's like, they lost their dog. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, maybe he's just playing poker with his buddies. <laughs> and they just looked at me like, what the fuck? And so I was just like, fuck it, I'll just double down on this. And we live around the corner from a casino. I was like, have you guys checked the casino yet? <laughs> and my, wa- my wife is just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And they just were like, and they walked away. And my wife's like, why would, why would you say that? I was like, that's a perfectly timed joke. And she's like, yeah, but not a perfect joking situation. I was like, but when they find their dog, they're going to laugh. They're going to be like, that was funny. And she, and then she goes, but what if they don't find their dog? And I was like, still a good joke though. And she's just like, pretty funny. If it was just lost, I thought it died. If it's just lost, that's hilarious. They eventually found it. That's hilarious. I thought thought they had to put it down or something. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, We are here. uh, We're primarily, it's hard. You're, you're based out in Cali now. Yep. Right, so yeah, this was uh, definitely a rare time to catch you back in Jersey. It's good to be but, here. But uh, yeah, you want to talk about why you're back for a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, this week on Saturday, we are releasing this Vans collection, uh, NJ Skate Shop Times Vans, um, and it is inspired and dedicated to our hometown of Sarahville, New Jersey. Um, the name, the town got its name from the Saren Fisher Brick Company. And a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, it produced like over 6 billion bricks. It was the largest brick manufacturer in the States mm. for, you know, from the 1800s until 1970. And from Richmond, Virginia to Richmond, Maine, these bricks built everything. Like the first time the World Trade Center um, 
got bombed, they were pulling Sarah and Fisher bricks out. The wow. work, like the Statue of Liberty base built with Sarah and Fisher bricks. Like that's crazy. The Empire State Building. Like these bricks have built everything. And as a skater, that sound of bricks is just very unique. The sound of wheels rolling is very unique, but goddamn when it's on bricks, it's like everybody can relate to that. And our bricks from this tiny little two road town built every single rad brick skate spot from Richmond all the way up. So when you skate the Brooklyn Banks, that's really the Jersey Banks. We built that shit. And, you know, like the the Afro Banks in Philly and the old hospital banks in Boston, all with Sarah and Fisher bricks from Sarahville, New Jersey. Wow. And people don't know that story. And so for us to get the opportunity with Vans to tell that story and to let people know um, has been really special. So like there's three shoes, they're all brick embossed. And then there's like a photo book that's just all ill um, brick East Coast skate photos. Mm. And then on the same day, the shoe releases on the 20th, RB Umali made like an insane seven minute edit for Thrasher that starts with Steve Caballero from Future Primitive and ends with Dick Rizzo from quasi's mother video Damn. and covers 30 years of east coast brick skateboarding and it's insane it starts with the artifacts track um brick city kids and it just goes and um i don't know man i i just i i'm just really proud that we were given the opportunity and you know my partner steve leonardo like really drove this thing home shout out steve love man steve. love and, steve like just I don't know. It's dope, man, because it's like any skate crew that you meet anywhere feels that their scene is the most important scene in the world, you know, and, and they're not wrong because it's their scene, you know, and it's like you can go to Madagascar, you can go to Paris like that. They feel like their scene is the shit. And, you know, we used to skate a food town on Route 9 next to a porno theater next to a McDonald's. <laughs> and Everything like, you need. Dude, I remember us like making fun of people coming out of the porno theater when they were going to watch when Harry ate Sally and <laughs> like <laughs> that was our crew, you know, like our buddy Troy Jankowski and like so many other heads that like came out of that area, Shannon McFadden, rest in peace. And like we had a crew and like our little cerebral crew was inspired by those bricks. And here we are, you know, 30 odd years later, 18 years as NJ, like getting the chance to tell the cerebral skate story. So oh, um, it really means a lot to us, you know, and like, I can't like thank the people at Vans for giving us the opportunity. It's, it's huge. Oh, thank you, Vans. Thank you, dude, for fucking putting on though, because like, I think especially growing up skating in Jersey, it was like, it's cool to have a colorway that like, well, number one is officially like stamped, like NJ, this is our ship, but definitely when you think jersey it's like this shoe kind of it's everything like for sure like for sure. i think the the color what is based on with the brick all that it's like like you guys hit the nail on the head for sure man like because it's funny you talked about the sound of the brick because it's funny how your brain works if you're wired that way it's like when i looked at it i heard it too yeah yeah it's, yeah, man, it's, it's super like, dope i've like, got a recording of like seven minutes of only like 
wheels on bricks it's like white noise it's like it's beautiful yeah man even like thought about times i've slammed on brick too like, yeah. like all the memories there yeah, they come back dude and uh i'm super fucking stoked on this and this will be available march 20th you said right yeah and then we've got two t-shirts that we're doing one is t eric monroe uh who like i said gave me my start it's a shout out t dot it's a red man t-shirt at this pizzeria we love it and little known fact red man and his partner Tariq own a skate shop. Redman is a skate shop owner in Staten Island. It's called Richmond Hood Company. And, you know, they blessed us with like, you know, using the photo and uh it's it's dope, man. So like, you know, obviously nobody represents Brick City more than Redman. So it was real of course, dope to of course. Have that. And then um there's another one that's a photo from the eighties. Um, it's like a, a Felix Aguez, another Jersey like legend, skating the Brooklyn Banks, and T. Eric Monroe is actually off to the side in that photo. Oh, and shit. like one of the most legendary designers, Ali Asha, he uh, his mom took it. It's just like a mom snapshot, and it's just so ill. It's like a vertical photo of uh, of the Brooklyn Banks and just a ton of kids. I think there's one kid sitting on the bridge, and then we just wrote underneath it, "We built this city." Damn. Because Jersey built all that shit. Dude, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. All right. I always say, man, it's like, dude, if we don't rep Jersey hard, literally nobody's going to back Jersey. So it's our job to like over rep it. Yeah. And the fact that like, I hate that like the Jets and the Giants both like play and practice in Jersey, yet we don't have like a team. Like, I I would talk about the basketball team anymore. Like, people are like, hey, what do you think? I was like, I never even heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dude, you want to talk about like Steph Marbury and Sam Cassell and Jason Kidd? I, I'll talk to you, but like when they moved, when they moved, I never heard of them again. Nope. All right, guys. Yeah, brother. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, yo, yeah. By the way, being that you know we saw it was fitting, uh, we are sponsored by Flashlight. Uh, Chris wrote in porn and worked in porn, so <laughs> not on screen, I don't think. But hell yeah, hell yeah. So yeah, what? yeah, is this we're giving. We, yeah, no, we get. <laughs> no, it's not the bottle. I think it's a regular one. Is it a coffee mug? I'm gonna use it as a coffee mug. Use it as a vase. Get a bouquet of roses. Just stick it at the bottom. Hell yeah! Thank so, you guys. I so yeah, we give that to all our I'm guests, a, man. I'm away from my wife for a week. So <laughs> I miss Jack. <laughs> you got lube? Yeah, that's yeah, good. we. Yeah. That's tight. I appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this has been the Keep It Basement podcast. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you very much. Having us once again, uh, March twentieth. Three shoes dropping, half cab, the Gilbert Pro- uh, Gilbert Crockett High, and the Van Slip. Uh, get yours before they sell out right away. And uh, yeah, it's been Keep Basement. Alex Nicholas, Tom Zappia, Mike Sweeney, and thank you again, Chris Naraco, man. Yeah. Catch you guys thank later. You guys. I appreciate it. Boom. How was that? Did we win? Yo, what it do, baby? Baby, what it do? Baby, what it do? What? Ladies, cover your ears. I'm just kidding, but have an open mind. What? Don't act like y'all never watched porn or have or have had sex toys. We're all freaks out here and sexually open is 2020. And it was a quarantine and now it's COVID times. Dating during a global pandemic is kind of tough. Now with these COVID times, it's time to get back your stanima, practice and work on your sex game. Get you back out into the wild, into the dating life. That's why Keep It Basement has partnered up with Fleshlight. Go to fleshlight.com and use the discount code KIB for 10% off any purchase of a Fleshlight product. Fleshlight has products for all types of people, whether guys or girls, straight or gay, whatever, they have it all.
With the purchase of a Fleshlight using the KIB discount code, not only are you supporting business, you're supporting small business while having a good time doing so. Go to Fleshlight.com and use the discount code KIB for 10% off. Fleshlights make for the perfect gift, whether it's a bachelor party, bro's birthday, or even your significant other's birthday or special celebration. Ladies, I know there could be a stigma here, but say you were going on vacation or you weren't around for a few weeks or days, wouldn't you rather have your man use a fleshlight than another girl? Wouldn't you rather you come home and see your man using a fleshlight instead of having another girl over uh, being unfaithful? I, I mean, put two and two together here. What, what would you rather have? And also keep it basement. What? He's so nice. Yo, keep it basement. Keep it basement, back at it, baby, with the bang bangers. Nigga, shut your ass up, man. I don't give a fuck, man. You are listening to Keep It in the Basement, like most Italians. If you're not Italian, keep it there anyway. Well, that's cool, because you're a fan. I'm a fan, too. You know what I'm saying? And I think, to me, fans make the best interviewers. You know what I mean? Like, Because we're asking the questions from a fan perspective. When you're a true fan... And, you follow the artist and you study your artist and you know an artist's music, you know an artist's background, you know the questions, the right questions to ask because you're asking questions from a fan perspective. And not only that, the reason you said that you're able to talk to uh, your favorite artist for an hour, it's not that you're able to talk to them for an hour, it's you're able to listen to them for an hour. It's a yeah. difference. See, a lot of interviewers don't listen. See, I'm a listener. Like, yeah. like a lot of interviewers I have 20 questions and all they want to do is get through those 20 questions but the yeah. truth of the matter is if you ask me a question if I ask an artist a question and the artist answers me if I'm listening I'm probably going to get something else out of his answer that I want to ask him and that's what a conversation is all about what, keep it what radio? basement keep it basement like keep it like keep it in the house Keep it yeah. basement radio. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Lil Dicky. Shout out Mike Sweeney, Swain, and Keep It Basement Radio. What's up, guys? This is Mickey Gall. You're listening to Keep It Basement. Keep It Basement. You are tuned in. <laughs> you are tuned in to the Keep It Basement podcast with your boy, Sweeney. Y'all heard? What up, Sween? Now tune to motherfucking Derelict. Keep it basement with the Sweens. That's the name of the podcast. Keep it basement with the Sweens. Keep it basement. We out. Welcome the newest sponsor of the podcast, Fleshlight. Fleshlight is the number one male sex toy in the world with its soft, real feel insert patented to be so lifelike that many have proclaimed it feels better than the real thing. While there is no substitute for a real woman, amazing inner textures and over a hundred possible combinations to choose from, we all have to work a little harder to keep up. Fleshlights offer an adjustable cap to control the desired suction level you prefer as well as a channeled sleeve able to stretch in order to accommodate the repeated discomfort of your girth. Easy to clean and durable, Fleshlight is your number one choice brand for male sex toys. Fleshlight also offers flesh skins, sleeves, anal toys, and accessories, including lube, mounts, cases, sleeve warmers, vibrators, and more. For more information, search Fleshlight on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or visit www.fleshlight.com. This is the Keep It Basin Podcast. Follow us on YouTube, subscribe to us, also on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes Music, Laughable, and wherever else you could listen to us and view us. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, oh, I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that basically... Uh, Mike Sweeney, the head president, CEO of Keep It Basement, fully admitted. At least you know it. Keep it fucking moving. Um, Porn sex is like 45 minutes an hour, but like real sex is like 20 minutes. Well, maybe for me, I guess. Try like three or four hours. Hour and 45 minutes? 
What the fuck? He's four hours. Any words of wisdom here? Always use a condom, and if you don't use a condom, make sure you got, like, really strong pull-out game, okay? Pull-out game week. Yeah, wear a condom. Are you nuts? I have two hairless cats. I have one, too. Can you get laid whenever with a bunch of options? How thirsty are your DMs? It's pretty lit. I ain't got Instagram. I don't got tweeters. I don't got nothing. A younger guy pick up a, a woman who's older than him. That's a really great question. How could I approach you and take you back to my room if we were sitting at a bar? You ask too many fucking questions. Don't ask no fucking questions. Plus, do funny guys get laid more? Oh, yeah, definitely. Would you date a uh, guy with a small penis? Like, how small? <laughs> How's, how big's your penis? Like, four inches? How funny are you? Then you put that video on fucking Worldstar. I hit the thing, it's YouTube. Fuck me up more. Sick of it. Stay down in the cellar and shut the fuck up. Now. Keep it basement podcast keep description. Basement. Find Keep It Basement with the Sweens wherever you get your podcast with host Tom Zappia and Alex Nicholas. Please make that a permanent drop <laughs> in every episode. I scold them myself. Keep It Basement podcast. We out. Uh. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Yeah. Stealth Mode Motorsports serves worldwide motorcycle enthusiasts, racers, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and custom builders with the highest quality. Quality OEM parts for Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, and Ducati, super sport motorcycle models. We buy and sell used motorcycles as well. Based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, StealthModeBikes.com, also on Facebook and Instagram at Stealth Mode Motorsports. Need an engine for a car? We supply engines to race teams all over the world. Lay your bike down and don't want to pay dealer pricing? Contact us for a fraction of dealer prices. All current inventory can be found on our eBay store at ebay.com slash str slash stealth mode motorsports. Check them out. What do you want to do? You want to go to the Shipbag Comedy Show and then maybe try to roll through stress? Guys, follow your dreams and listen to Keep It Basement Rate Subscribe. Thanks, guys. Peace. Just masturbate if all else fails. Peace. Good job with California. You don't like it? Fuck it. You get on a plane, fly home. That's it. Take a chance. Four minutes at the at the at the, at the, at the comedy club in New Brunswick. Four minutes. Might turn into a, a spot on a Jimmy Kimball Tonight Show. You never know. You got to try it. You just can't stay on a safe route because then you're going to end up being kind of bitter when you get older. That you didn't take no chances. That's it. That's my view on things.